Hey everyone, before we get started, I just want to talk about our sponsor, Anchor. Anchor simply is the perfect place to go if you're trying to start a podcast. First off, free, that's great, but there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Super easy to use, super intuitive, Uh, and then once you have that edited, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places uh, where you listen to podcasts. And when they're distributed, you can start making money from your podcast right away. No minimum listenership. Start getting that anchor money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one spot. So what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm right now to get started. Now, the Schooner Pod. Hello, and welcome to Championship Week on the Schooner Pod. I'm your host, Bobby Howard. With me today, as always, we got Jameson Maxwell, we got Kylie, and we're here to talk about the Big 12 Championship. Uh, crazy season, guys, but we are here. Uh, Steelers gunning for their sixth straight Big 12 title. Iowa State gunning for their first Big 12 championship in, or first Big 12 championship ever, first conference championship in uh, nearly 100 years. Um, but I don't know, a lot has happened this season. Uh, particularly with Iowa State, you know, we certainly disrespected them a bit, but uh, I think I think we can all agree here. We're gonna we're gonna treat the Cyclones with a little more, more uh, respect. Uh, are we right? Are we right on that one, Ty? No, absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> this is a way better OU team than played them earlier. Absolutely, Jameson, said you 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 show any love for the Cyclones this year? This time uh, around. No. Yeah, I'll show them some love, but if it um, getting us some hate towards them, get some more reactions. Let's do it. I want chaos. <laughs> hey, look, we have to be the cocky, arrogant OU podcast that that makes them mad throughout the week. You know, get them. I want. I want to get them fired up. We're the wrestling heels of this, so you know, I, I, I agree. Let's not change too much. Let's talk about Iowa State and Oklahoma, and more specifically, what has happened in the time since we've played. Uh, obviously a lot has happened, uh, since October. Um, but more than anything, let's, let's look at kind of what we thought about what went wrong last October. Um, basically, you know, a lot of people have that case of Spencer Rattler, you know, being bad in their mouth, but he wasn't that bad when you look at it. Um, so I think, I think an advantage there is Rattler getting a lot better, you know, more calmed down, maybe not the biggest advantage, but definitely a huge advantage. So, Jameson, entering this game, what's the one thing that changed for OU uh, in this time that you are most looking forward to that really that you really think will change the outcome? Yeah, I mean, the obvious thing we'd look at is we want to try to get a better defense on the field than we did and give up 37 points to Iowa State. That's just not going to work. Um, that's We're not the old OU where you put up 37 points against us and we're fine. We'll put up 50. It's, it's not like that kind of season. The biggest thing for us right now that's changed since then, it really is the run game. There's no doubt about it because Spencer Rattler did do well in that first Iowa State game, even though he did throw one pick. Um, but it was very forced almost, you could say. And like I feel like Spencer Rattler had to do it all. TJ Pledger was really not helping him at all. Seth McGowan was kind of coming off of that, you know, that freshman high of the first couple games of doing really well. People started to figure out, um, figure him out, I guess. Um, and now Ramondre Stevenson just got to ground and pound and make a huge impact in this game. And I think that'll be a really, really big deal 
for us moving forward was Spencer Rattler. He had Austin Stogner at his crutch in this game, uh, the first game, and he may not be playing in the Big 12 championship for us this weekend. So we need that run game to open up the passing game. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I I think offensively that's a thing easy that's easy to point to. He, ke- he keeps things steady. He's uh, you know provides a good. Um, I mean, he's averaging what five yards per carry. That that is something that will steady off any offense, um, especially one that is scrambling for options. Uh, Ty, looking into this, what are you excited for, or what are you looking for, keying in on that has changed for OU uh, this season? Yeah, so I think I think like the uh, the big thing that I had really ties into to the things that, that both of you guys said. So OU was at, and I'm going to do a visual representation as well. Uh, for our live and, and video listeners, but I will keep it audio friendly. So OU was at a level when we played Iowa State, and, and we were a very different team, and, and that's my hand here. Um, and we had a lot of things change. Nothing, I don't think, too significant. I know people can make big arguments uh, for Perkins and, and for uh, Ramondre Stevenson coming back, but what I saw is just some little pieces. So OU was at a level. Rattler got a little bit better, and it brought us up. Stevenson came back. It brought us up. Perkins came back. It brought us up. And then, you know, just more additional factors, the defense finding itself and and our offensive rhythm really coming together and things like that. And we'll even take, you know, there goes uh, maybe some tight ends. But we're at a significantly improved level. We've, we've really increased. And, and this Iowa State team, I did some cursory research beforehand, is, you know – minus the obvious, you know, late season stuff and then COVID stuff that you have this year, it's probably the same team. It's not a, I don't want to say OU's a night and day different team, but we are a very different team. And I don't think anyone can really argue that. And it's a significantly approved team because of just a bunch of little things that have compiled. Are they still, are, are they still not really designed to beat us? Are they still a video game NPC level, you know, type of ball club here I, for the number six team in country? I don't think I ever said, I probably did. I don't think I ever said that they weren't designed to beat us, but they are a video game NPC. They're not set to easy mode, but like they're not there to win. They exist just to like be good enough to win if you make mistakes or if you don't know how to play the game. And then just like a video game, if you lose to them, you get to try it again. And that's where we are right here. Yeah, we've we've gotten better. We've turned the difficulty setting down, and we're coming back for it. And that is what has happened here. It's this video game analogy could not have come together better. Oh my gosh! Let let me step in. Let me step in first for angry Iowa fans right now. I'm going to disagree. They were video game. Probably you had the argument at the beginning of the year, but now they are completely hitting their stride. You know, Brock Purdy is went from average to a little bit tad but bit beyond average, and that's helped them a lot. So I'll give them that. And then Brees Hall, you know, is like one of the best running backs in the country and consistently putting up triple digits almost every single game. Um, he's just a for sure guy. And that defense for Iowa State is really what has improved this season. The, the past couple games of them, especially West Virginia, they were posting a shutout until the very end. Um, with with you know with a good solid team in the in in the like in the Big Twelve, we've got to respect Iowa State more than we respected them in the first game, but we have to respect us incrementally more than we respected ourselves in the first game. So we come out positive, but we should give Iowa State more respect than we did at the beginning. 
Absolutely. I mean, it was OU. I mean, I mean, yeah, OU coming off a loss. We didn't know who that OU team was. We didn't know how low they were. And Iowa State, you know, they 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 were one and one off of a what we thought was a really bad Louisiana loss and a kind of suspect TCU win. Uh, we kind of weren't sure who they were, but they have proven to be a very steady team, very good force. Um, and yeah, Ty, Ty's design point was taken out of context. He was really just talking about the way they're steady, the way they force you to make mistakes. And I still kind of think that's true whenever they get into really close ball games. Uh, you saw that uh, in Texas. Um, almost pulled it off against Oklahoma State, but that was when they were really humming on all cylinders. Uh, so, yeah, Iowa State, without a doubt, has gotten better. OU has gotten better, too. But uh, this Cyclone team has been just rolling. Um, I, I mean, you know, like, like you said, they were, they were um, you know, some garbage time points away from pitching two straight shutouts. Not just shutouts, 40-point blowout shutouts. So I would say definitely, definitely a team to respect here going into it. Um, you know, whether or not they're worthy of number six is a whole other story. Um, but, you know, they, they're, they're humming. Um, Brock Purdy. So we weren't super high on him. Didn't have a huge, great game against OU. Uh, about 50, uh, 50% completion there. Uh, and he, he, it's, he isn't the best when he's playing great teams, but he's still a very solid quarterback. So looking at Purdy here, uh, Jameson, do you, do you think he, he's improved? Do you think he's a, a, like a bit more of a threat? Or do you think the threat really comes more from the tight ends that he has, the large white men uh, at his disposal? Yeah, you're right, you're right. I think that he definitely has improved. Um, since that game, he's starting to throw above 50%. So therefore he's now an above average quarterback. Um, but I, I'm, I'm just not buying into it. Whenever you look at a quarterback and you're, you're, we're game planning for them right now. Are we trying to game plan around him? No, but are, do we think we're just going to stomp him into the ground and just, we're going to get so many turnovers on him. We're just, we're going to pressure him with the sacks a little bit, but we don't feel like we can dominate this guy. So he's right in the middle. Um, what we really need to key in on is stopping the run early in first and second down to give you a third and long so we can bring that pass rush and disturb him, make sure that we can make him make mistakes rather than get to third and four with Brees Hall running, you know, his good yards for carry, and then he can just do a little dink down to Xavier Hutchinson or Charlie Kohler. Yeah, absolutely. Because when you give him time, he has more room to work, more room to operate, and puts a lot of stress on our secondary, uh, which when we played him last time, uh, Ty said that the secondary would be better off if we just left Buki off the field and played with 10 men. Um, so, Ty, I, I'm sure that's one of it's something you're looking into here is how the secondary and these linebackers can really, um, you know, kind of keep it together against um, a team who, whose size kind of outmatches them. Yeah, I, and and I think not to continue to tie this back into to previous stuff or, or future stuff, but I think that the secondary it's it's a whole team effort on the defense, and I think the secondary is going to be greatly aided by a a very different defensive line and a much more experienced. I, I know I had a really cold take about the secondary uh, at the start of the season being our thing that we were going to lean on because they were the most experienced. Uh, but our linebackers have really stepped up and, and now have essentially a whole season 
of experience um, or, you know, at least half a season of experience more, which is a lot um, compared to when we played them before. So I think that, you know, our secondary, we're probably going to see the same level of play. Uh, but when we can get better pressure and I don't think we're going to shut down their run game whatsoever, but when we can mitigate that a little bit, and, and again, it's just about these tiny improvements and, and having an improved D line and an improved linebacker core um, is going to greatly take some of that load off of the secondary and, and give them less time to make mistakes. So I think that that's really the important thing with the secondary is, is how the team has come up around them. Absolutely. Um, and the defensive line, Isaiah Thomas and uh, Winfrey definitely played in this game, but they look like different uh, ball players here. <clears throat> and um, <laughs> I, I didn't know how to clear my throat and cleared it in the worst possible way. Uh, I said just, they look uh, like different ball players. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's why you never take a half measure. Just go ahead and cough on the air. Uh, anyways, um, they, they look like different, they don't, they look like a totally different, uh, defensive line and, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting because, um, you know, we, we, there are some differences, you know, Woody Washington, I think has been a huge factor, uh, for the Sooners this, this year, but, um, in general, you know, it, it's going to be tough. Um, but Jameson looking at that defense, you know, what, what are what are you thinking secondary wise, uh, is a good move to stop you know, to kind of mitigate that size disparity. Yeah, so they really game-planned on bullying Buki and bullying our smaller guys and putting, you know, Xavier Hutchins, six six foot three, and Charlie Kohler, what are you, six six or six seven? you know, I think it was six seven. I don't know. Um, but, you know, it, the thing is, if we want to replace Buki in the nickel, we take Jeremiah Cradell as our backup, who's 5'11", you know, that's not going to be that much of a difference. Next up, you could switch down Trey Norwood. You know, he's six foot. I think Trey Norwood would do a better job about staying with him and having better size disparity than Buki. Um, But we need Buki on the field. And I I understand that there is a lot of, you know, negative connotations whenever I say we need Buki on the field. Um, But I think we could put him on in like early downs and then maybe shift Trey Norwood in the nickel or, you know, move down a safety every once in a while. We can't keep Buki in the nickel 100% of the time because they're just going to find it and then completely abuse it. We need to switch things up so they cannot game plan and scheme it in the, in the play beforehand and then go out and run it to perfection. We've got to make sure they don't know when Buki's out there. Yeah, or or even kind of try to load things differently where throwing to Buki's side is just not an option. Yeah. Um, you know, really try to bolster Buki when he's on the field, and when he's not, you know, there you go, just hold on for dear life. Um, but really, I, I'm, I, I'm looking forward to this defense, and, you know, one of the things we talked about right after uh, we lost Iowa State, I keep trying to compare back because, you know, when you have a rematch, that's, that's what you want to do. Um, if you look at it, uh, one of the points I made, OU was second to last in the country in uh, opponent yards uh, per play. They're now in their past three games, granted, not good, not great offensive performances from Kansas and Baylor. Um, they're now number one in the country in their past three games uh, in, um, in pass, or sorry, opponent yards per play um, at 3.3 yards per play. Um, 
And overall, they've moved up from second to last to 26 overall. That is a market improvement and something that OU will continue to need to do, uh, limiting those big plays, because that is something that took the wind out of our sails against Kansas State. Uh, definitely got us beat against uh, Iowa State as well. Uh, killed a lot of momentum. Um, but I, I'm really looking forward to seeing that out of OU's defense. And I, I think the biggest thing there is, again, create havoc. Muddy this game up. Get in the mud. Um, there is no mud. It's it's artificial turf. But you get the point. Get in the rubber pellets. So kind of broke down all there is to really break down about the defense. Um any opportunities on the offense that we want to circle other than Ramondre? Uh, who, who's going to be the big, the guy who, I guess, becomes the Grant Calcaterra of the game or, uh, you know, who has one of those really big moments that really shines? Jamison, I'll let you start. I would hope it would either be Jeremiah Hall or Braden Willis. With Stogner probably not playing, we need them to step up. These past couple weeks, we have they've been underwhelming, um, especially with the given the opportunity. Even whenever they played with Stogner, they've played better than they've had these past couple weeks. I'd really hope to see some kind of big play, big touchdown from them. And then just another one, we need Theo Weiss to not drop balls. Simple as that. Yeah. He definitely screwed that up our last meeting. Um, yeah, man, that's tough because I, I really like Jeremiah Hall as well. We had a lot of opportunity uh, with him against Iowa State last time. So maybe they'll try to you know mitigate that, cover the H back there. We'll see. Um, oh, man, I'm going to go and, uh, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and say, I'm going to say it, Drake Stoops. I, I Drake can't Stoops take is that Duke. one. Drake, why, because you were going to do it? No, I wasn't, but it, I already used it. I, I called it in Red River, and that was it. He's you used his. You can't have a No, I just don't one. think it's – I don't think he's going to – no, go finish your thing. He's don't like the Drake – it's like a Drake Stoops super weapon sort of thing. He's already done his <laughs> thing. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I he, he wasn't really there against um, Iowa State last time. I just see it happening – Seems weird to me. He had a really cool quote about hunting the championship, and I know it's super tacky to go with Drake Stoops here, but I just have a weird feeling he's going to make it a um, major play in this game. Um, second, I could also see Marvin Mims on the uh, punt return side. I feel like that's also a cop-out answer. Kind of copying a lot of our good ones from Red River, but yeah, if it works, it works. Ty, uh, who is your potential MVP for this game? Yeah, Often so I'm going to... Well, I don't know if it's going to be – I thought we were doing sort of a who's going to have maybe a breakout play or a significant play. That so works, too. That works too. Yeah, so that's that's what I'm answering. I'm going to get more breakout play. I'm going to get – yeah, so I'm going to get the name out of the way. Um, but I, I want to give some explanation as to why. And and for me, it's it's Braden Willis. Um, but I think that the key is going to be with – you know, our primary tight end out, they're going to be game planning for, you know, not as much focus there. Lincoln Riley is really big on not trick plays, but deceptive plays that hinge on a tight end uh, pass. And we have seen it from Willis, not super consistently like we saw um, from our, our previous guys, but he still has that potential. It's not all game, but he has it in him still. And I think that there is great potential for Lincoln and our offensive staff to recognize the right moment where he could come out and have a big um, sort of 
play that changes the momentum of the game or, you know, puts the nail in the coffin or something like that. Just because the position that he's in, how I'm going to, I'm making some assumptions about Iowa State's game planning as well, especially with Stevenson in here now. I think they're going to be really focused on shutting down the run pressure on, on a uh, Rattler and, and, you know, our expanded uh, receiving core now. And I think that there's great potential for him to be overlooked and, you know, I don't want to say rightfully so, but he does have the potential under the right circumstances uh, to really have a big thing. So that that is my, if I had to project someone to maybe most likely have a potential big breakout play uh, for this game. Absolutely. And we'll just do defense uh, right away. And Ty, I, I'll, we'll do a snake draft like we do on our picks. Um, okay. Do you have anyone good on defense that you think uh, is prime for a breakout? Um. I think a, a scoop and score or a pick six from anyone from the D line or the linebackers would be huge. I think I, in, I, I much as I hate to say it, but I feel like a, an interception from the linebackers or a scoop and score from the, uh, the D line is more likely than a pick six from the secondary. Um, if it was just pure turnovers, I don't know, but I think that, one of those two things would be really, really cool. It would be really key. And I think it is plausible. I, I think it is plausible, this game. Absolutely. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's a good one. Um, yeah, I, I was kind of thinking, had Nick Benito rattling in my head. Uh, it seems like he's primed. Benito, 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 Benito. Yeah, exactly. I need that again. <laughs> I, need, I need another Spanish language call of a Nick Benito, you know, major play. But you know what? I, I think I'm going to stick with a, th- a theme here. My thing theme here short kings give me buki in the storybook moment for buki radley hiles in the game that he is probably most like you know we're freaking out you know this guy's not gonna probably he's gonna he's gonna need a lot of help i have a somehow making a clutch play out of nowhere it's going to be exciting it's going to redeem so many of his blunders uh so give me buki the short the short kings of Drake Stoops and Buki to give give us a storybook uh, celebration. I'm I'm here for it. Um, I don't know. I maybe I'm biased, but either way, uh, Jameson, I'm sure you have a more logical answer than I do. No, I don't. Uh, I oh, think no. I really do think we're gonna. Yes. We're gonna we're, I really do think we're gonna pick off Purdy once. I don't know if we're gonna get the splash play of a pick six or a touchdown. Um, but Trey Brown is the guy who does really, really well in the Big 12 championship. He, he does well in that stadium. And um, I feel like he's the best chance of getting an interception on this team, even though he has been bullied upon um, due to his size. He's got the speed. So if you want to return for a pick six, maybe you could see it there with Trey Brown. But give me if there's anyone who's going to get a turnover on this uh, rather than, um, you know, Buki, like you said. I'll go with Trey Brown. Hey, that sounds good to me. And, you know, I just – Good things come in threes. His name is Trey. Yeah. I just want to touch on, on Bobby's short king comment. Uh, Buki and uh, Stoops are both listed at 5'9". Uh, there should be an asterisk there because Stoops is an actual 5'9". And Buki's like 5'4". I'm pretty sure he's been listed as 5'8". <laughs> has, has he not been listed as like 5'7", 5'8"? He's, he's probably 5'7". It seems like it's creeping up. Every time I look at it, he's like his draft stock's going to say he's six feet. 
I, I will not out a guy who is actually five seven for being five eight. I would. I'm not doing that. Just <laughs> like they say he's five nine now. Okay. Snoops is actually five nine. Five nine, you're stretching. Five nine, you're literally stretching it. Um, but yeah, I, I would. Say, I would say in shoes, give him about five eight and a half. That's yeah. like anything on the internet is true. That's what they thought yeah. when they put this height in. That's funny. So, um, yeah, that's all we have for the actual game preview. Um, in terms of uh, just other stuff about the game, looks like Iowa State probably is going to be wearing blacks as they have all year long at home since uh, their first game. Uh, so they're the designated home team. I assume they're going to be wearing their black uniforms. I guess they just got rid of the red ones. Uh, I don't know. I- I'm not spooked out by that at all. I'm not scared by that. I don't, I don't care about that. Uh, we had more issues in the black uniforms last time. Uh, who knows? Maybe they've added more captain uh, patches to it. We'll see. Um, but I don't know. I'm excited. Uh, in terms of any you know housekeeping, weird stuff with COVID, have we heard anything on the OU side yet? Uh, in terms of danger limits, Jameson, or you know even Iowa State? Sometimes that leads well, to the OU side. They did release COVID numbers for the athletics, but we don't know what that is. has anything to do with football. Um, as far as I know, we should have our guys that were out for two weeks from COVID the last game, you know, and Nick Benito, uh, Woody Washington, uh, you know, I think Turner Yale was out too. Uh, and uh, no, was it Patrick Fields? It was Patrick Fields, excuse me. And Patrick Fields was out too. So they should be good to go and back. I don't know if they caught COVID or if they were, you know, in protocol. But I, as far as I know, I think we're good right now. Cool. And, you know, I, I think the real question is, I, I think falls on Iowa State, who has not missed a game this year due to COVID. Um, so, you know, it, it feels weird because like, oh, you kind of got towards the end there. We thought we were fine. Then we got hit with the COVID right before, um, you know, like second to last game of the year. Then West Virginia got hit like second, like last game of the year then. Um, so it's weird because, but, but here's the thing. The game's not going to get canceled. Uh, if Iowa State cannot play, it would be Texas being taking their place due to the Big 12 uh, tiebreaker policy. Ty, uh, a last minute Red River rematch. How would you feel about that? Um, I, I would not like that. And, and I don't think it's, it's going to happen at all. I, I think, I think that both teams facing a situation where they would have called it earlier in the season will probably play with a sub. Cause there have been teams that there's not like a set number that you can call the game. Like there have been teams that have just decided, Oh, I can't win this game based on who's out. So I'm just going to say, you know, we're just going to call it. So I don't have a loss, <clears throat> Michigan. Um, but I think, I think that this is a situation where each team, I don't think we're going to see a, a Texas uh, appearing in, in the game. I, I think OU um, or Iowa State would would maybe accept that they're probably going to lose and still try to play with um, a significantly gutted roster rather than say, oh, yeah, our our main guys are out. We'll just let Texas go play. Mm-hmm. It's it's too big of a stage for Iowa. Iowa State won't. It's too big of a stage for them, and, and I don't think OU ever would either. So being a runner-up in in the in the championship game and on, then also having the excuse of being able to say, oh, well, our entire starting roster was out. We played with literally the practice squad. 
is better than saying, oh, yeah, we gave up and let Texas go and win it. Because Texas would probably win. <laughs> oh, God. Maybe not against please. OU, but... Don't you if, put that I evil on me, Ty. Don't you if OU that. canceled, I could see OU canceling and then Texas showing up and beating Iowa State. But anyways, oh. hypotheticals can go all day. Yeah, I, I don't think that would happen under any um, circumstances. So I don't, I'm, I'm glad we brought it up, but I don't even think there's a, a reasonable discussion to be had there. Yeah, no, I agree. Just wanted to throw it in there. Uh, yeah. hope it doesn't happen. Absolutely do not hope it doesn't happen. I want the OU-Iowa State rematch very badly. Um, before we go, Jameson, I know you have uh, some updates on um, recruiting. I know you did a full Cruton Corner episode on Sunday morning. Uh, you can check that out uh, on our YouTube uh, page as well as our um, podcast you know, stream. You know, If you're listening to this on podcast, just go one down. It's pretty easy. Uh, but Jameson, any updates uh, since Sunday? Play the intro. Where's my damn music? Okay. okay. <laughs> yes. What is this? Jamison. This is a Rootin Corner with Jamison. Every morning dancing. Oh, that's nice. Okay, that's much better. So, uh, <laughs> since since uh, Sunday, which is today's Tuesday, um, there's been a little bit changing. You know, signing day is tomorrow as of Wednesday. Um, you know, all of the guys that should be signing tomorrow, we should feel pretty good about. We will, by the time the majority of y'all are um, listening to this, we should know about Savion Bird. I still feel very good about him. So let's just say Savion Bird committed to – I'm kidding. I'm not going to play this jink like that. I, I still feel good about Savion Bird um, committing to OU. Um, give us the edge just a little bit over SMU there. Uh, the worry one – the one that's worrying me now more and more as time goes on is Bryce Foster – like I said, he is the offensive guard five-star out of Katy, Texas, and he's a huge A&M legacy. You know, his mom and his brother. And I'm just getting nervous with him, to be completely honest with you. I, I, just, I just think that the people around him are pushing him too much. Um, the sites that I read, they seem – the Texas A&M sources seem very confident. Uh, I don't know. I could see heartbreak happening, and he's going to be committing on Friday. So I really hope for the best, but um, Bryce Foster's percentage confidence on if we think he's come to OU definitely has gone down. And I guess just another name to throw in something positive, just another option um, uh, to keep your guys' uh, minds on top of things recruiting. I did not mention Jadarius Perkins, who is a Juco cornerback, six foot two out of Mississippi Gulf, Gulf Coast Community College. He is a former Oregon decommit. And the only reason I'm talking about him is he posted a picture of him FaceTime Lincoln Riley the other day um, saying, you know, they're in solid communications. So, you know, never, there, may, there may be some connection there. We might want to D-back. That's a Juco guy, six foot two, worth a shot. He says he's fast. As you know, his Twitter says he's, you know, four, three plus. I don't believe him because these kids can say whatever they are. But, you know, at least if he thinks he's that fast, he has to be somewhat fast. So six foot two, fast, Juco cornerback. Might as well take a swing at things. Um, maybe he'll pick us, but I think Mississippi State is the leader with him, and we will see how that turns out come um, later. I think he said he wanted to um, sign later, but still before National Signing Day, so sometime late this month, early January. Yeah. Hey, fair enough. Hey, thanks for the updates. 
Um, next week, we'll uh, definitely cover that as well. If not, you know, hey, we might have to do an emergency one. Probably not, but we'll see. Um, anyways, guys, that is all I have for today. So, hey, thank you both of you so much for joining us this whole season. And I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what we get in the bowls or uh, you know, maybe the playoffs. You never know. No playoffs. Uh, it's, it's alive. They talked about it a lot more today. They talked about it a lot more today. <laughs> Uh, Iowa State. I'm just saying, you guys, just saying, OU playoffs. Anyway, I'm gonna. Uh, all right, I'm gonna stop now uh, before the bit actually becomes real because this is the last time I have a chance to to bring it up. So I'm gonna enjoy it, have a good time, uh, and the belief is on. But um, anyways, that's all I have for today. I'm not gonna ask you anything. I'm not an idiot anymore. I like like. Hopefully, OU did. I've learned from myself. I've had I've had good ending comments for the past two weeks okay. well the past the past two times i've had an ending comment okay it's so been a legitimate probably ty. my best analysis of the pod drop that ending comment ty what no do i don't have one today i was just okay mentioning Fine. i'm just <laughs> mentioning that my past two have been good all right <laughs> good point well for me jameson and ty this has been the schooner pod big 12 championship preview thank you so much for listening um and we will be back uh, soon to talk some bowls. I, I can't wait. Love the bowl season. It's going to be weird. Um, uh, first bowl is uh, after the old Yosef um, going to Coastal Carolina to play North Texas. So it could not be better. But anyways, um, if you're listening live, we're about to cut to our uh, championship week pick. So uh, get ready for that. But otherwise, we'll see you next week to talk about the bowl. Have a good one. Boomer Sooner beat Iowa State. <laughs>